Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You're listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, we are recording this show uh, several days early just due to uh, some uh, scheduling issues. So uh, we're going to give you our best preview of the Vikings game with the caveat that there's going to be some information that you guys may know on Friday that we are not yet privy to. Uh, so we're going to give you our, our best shot looking at uh, injury reports and stuff as um, as of, uh, what is it say, Tuesday or Wednesday? Wednesday. Stay Wednesday, Gil. Today is Wednesday. Just wanted to make sure uh, you were you were paying attention. You know, can have both of us uh, fully present here. All right, always. Present. always. <laughs> uh, well, let's you know, let's just uh, jump right into it. I mean, are, are the Packers gonna gonna win this game? Are they gonna get into the playoffs? I mean, we could have a really quick quick show here. <laughs> yeah, that would be a very very quick show. Uh, but I, I will say this as a as a starting point. I am more optimistic now than I have been in a very, very long time about this team. Yeah, uh, I am too. That was a good win against the Dolphins. No question about it. Um, I don't really understand. I, I do, to a small extent, people's frustrations with the defense against Miami. There there were certainly some big plays. But we told you that was going to happen. We told you those that those big plays were going to come. Um the Dolphins only scored 20 points. This is a really good offense. They only scored 20 points. I don't know how you can be mad and calling for Joe Barry's job after he gave up just 20 points to the Dolphins. And, and may I remind you, the last few weeks, they've done a, uh, a really good job on defense as well. 12 points to the Rams, 19 points to the Bears. The last time they had a, a poor defensive showing was 40 points to the Eagles. And honestly, that was the only time that they've had a really bad uh, offensive output uh, since, I mean, really the, the Dallas game coughing up 28 points to Dallas is not great, but Dallas has been doing far worse damage than that to other teams. So um, I, the, the, the defense I think deserves a little bit more respect than they have been getting. I'll just put it that way. Well, they certainly made some, and I, and I almost can't believe I'm saying this, but they actually made some adjustments at halftime and really stepped up their game. And, you know, to me, four turnovers, the, the offense couldn't quite cash in on them, which was very, very frustrating, uh, settling for field goals more often than not and not turning them into touchdowns. But... Uh, to me, the turning point of the game was the uh, strip sack and fumble recovery by Jerron Reed late in the second quarter. 
that the Packers were already down 20 to 10. And instead of being down 23 to 10 or 27 to 10, they end up kicking a field goal, get the ball to start the second half, score a touchdown, and all of a sudden everything is tied. Yeah. Yep. Very true. Very true. Um, I think uh, the biggest thing that we have to figure out is the potential injuries and how much this will impact the game because the uh, injury report for Wednesday's practice was not good. Um, We were extremely healthy. And on Wednesday, we didn't get Christian Watson, David Bakhtiari, Keyshawn Nixon, and it sounds like no Yash Nyman either. You are worst case scenario. If you're missing all four of those guys, you are down your wide receiver one, the uh, return specialist who has been absolutely just lighting it up and putting your still struggling offense in fantastic field position routinely. And then, you know, you're, you're throwing into doubt both starting tackles. I mean, obviously we like what Zach Tom has been doing. Uh, in David Bakhtiari's absence and David Bakhtiari being back from his appendectomy this soon was always going to be a question mark, but possibly missing Yash Nyman as well. You're in, you're in a, maybe a really, uh, precarious position here because you're probably, you probably don't have any choice, but to kick Elton back out to right tackle and pray that it goes better than it did last time he was out there. Well, look, the, the good news is Yash Nyman was limited in practice on Wednesday. So he was actually out there on the field, and so was David Bakhtiari. So hopefully one or both of them can play. And if one of them can't go, then obviously I think Zach Tom, a lot of Packer fans at this point, would be comfortable putting Zach Tom into the lineup on either side at tackle. And... To me, the real issue only becomes if both of them cannot go on Sunday, and hopefully that will change. Now, the the other person who didn't practice on Wednesday was Aaron Rodgers, who was held out because of a, a knee injury and his right thumb. But the knee injury is sort of the new one after he recovered from the rib injury, and we all know the thumb has been bothering him since the trip to London. Uh, I'm not worried that Rodgers won't play. I get the feeling this is more at this point of letting him rest and heal. But, you know, one, one step at a time, I'm hoping that enough of these injured players are able to take the field on Sunday because some of these guys are really key players to the team's recent success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we have, I think the the most concerning one to me is probably the most concerning one to everybody, and that is Christian Watson, just because we saw what this offense looked like before he was able to get back out there, and it was it was really putrid. And I'm not saying that like nobody else can play, but you need his ability to stretch the field and create opportunities for other players. And over the last couple of weeks, um, Watson has. Uh, been taken away uh, in in the deep passing game by opposing defenses. They are bound and determined to make sure he does not get behind them. And I think he has responded well to that challenge by continuing to do some serious damage underneath. And, uh, and, and then even 
when he's not running those routes and and uh, carving up under there, he is still peeling away the defense further down the field, like I said, and opening up those underneath for Al Lazard, uh, the suddenly extremely lethal Romeo Dobbs and everybody else. And if they don't have him out there, I think maybe there's a chance that you see a guy like new addition Bo Melton, uh, who was signed this week off of the uh, Seahawks practice squad. He ran like a 4-3-8, I think. No, 4-3-4. Uh, very speedy guy. I mean, uh, he, he was a seventh-round draft pick. Um, has, like I said, been on the practice squad for the Seahawks. So you don't have just a massive amount of confidence in his play ability, even though I liked him as a draft prospect. However, if you don't have Christian Watson, I think you're forced to put somebody like him out there for at least a few snaps just to stretch the field and say, look, you don't have to know our playbook very well to just run a a stink and go route and stretch the field. And you know what? Hopefully the uh, defense respects your speed and, and peels some guy off to cover you. If not, Hopefully you can haul in a wide open touchdown <laughs> and, and Aaron Rodgers can still heave it down there to you. Yeah. And, and look, obviously, you know, signing another speedy receiver is, is sort of an insurance policy for this team. How well he knows the playbook. Well, probably not very well at this point, but uh, I, I get the feeling when it comes to Nixon and Watson and Nyman, we will probably see very little of them at, practice this week with the hope that giving them a little extra rest allows them to be ready to play come Sunday at Lambeau Field. Gil, what did you think about the um, overall offense that we saw against the Dolphins? Because you and I talked pretty extensively about the lack of respect that we had for the Dolphins defense, and it seemed like they still were able to limit the Packers well enough uh, Packers were only able to put up 26 points. There were some red zone struggles that I maybe would put a little bit more on Aaron Rodgers than on the defense. Cause you'd have a guy who was open and Aaron just didn't see him for whatever reason. But even so it felt like uh, without the uh, fantastic field position from special teams, without some of those turnovers, um, it felt like the Packers offense wasn't really going to get it done. And then even off of those turnovers, the Packers were kicking field goals, I, mean, I think, off of every single turnover. Um, well, or at least all but one. Yeah, they turned it back over in one of them, yeah. Right. So, so you know, a little bit disappointing because you, you really need to be uh, cashing in touchdowns off of at least a couple of those turnovers. When you get the ball that many times from your defense, you need to turn it into more points than just, uh, you know, more than just nine points. Yeah. Yeah, you, you really do. And and look, you know, the better your opponent, the less you have margin for error to get away with something like that. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, this is something that the team can improve upon this week. And, you know, the thing about it is that Aaron Rodgers is still not Aaron Rodgers. At this point, uh, or at least not the Aaron Rodgers we knew when he was healthy and and you know familiar with his receivers and able to rely on Devonte Adams and and all of that. So he's certainly better than he was recently, 
but I'm still not seeing the consistent excellence that we are used to seeing from Aaron Rodgers. And the red zone struggles certainly are part of that. Hopefully, you know, he has two games left. The last three games, he has certainly done enough to get the job done and now, uh, you know, and get wins. And now he's got to sort of keep playing well because the the two defenses that we're facing in the final two games are not elite defenses. They can be beaten, but you still have to go out there and do it. Yeah, true. Um, looking at the uh, uh, Packers' um, uh, offensive uh, production over the last uh, four weeks, they are averaging 27, a little over 27 and a half points per game. That's pretty good. Um, as I have said, the uh, uh, the bar for me is 27 points. I want the offense to score 27 points or more. I want the defense to hold opposing teams under 27 points. Um, the, so the Packers have been averaging 27.8. That's the actual number. Uh, points per game over the last month and their defense has been allowing 22.8 points per game over the last uh, four games. The Vikings are 29 to 29 Um, pretty uh, amazingly. And one thing that I did um, is I took the Packers and Vikings DVOA uh, their, their weighted DVOA. And I, I looked at, uh, what they have been doing against their opponents compared to everybody else who's played those same opponents. And I have put together uh, what the projected score should be. And I, w- I will just tell you this. If DVOA matters anything at all, and if the Packers and Vikings play the way they have been playing, uh, this is about to be a, a total slaughter of the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings... Um, the, the biggest knock against them when it comes to DVOA is just that their uh, offensive output has not been that good over the last, um, really over the whole season. Over the whole season, their offense is a little lower um, than average, whereas the Packers actually right now are flying much higher than average. The Packers have an 8.2 DVOA on offense. Vikings have a minus 2.3 on offense. Now both teams have a positive DVOA on defense, 2.8 for the Packers, 4.8 for the Vikings. So um, whether you compare the the Packers DVOA against the Vikings scores, the Vikings scores against the Packers DVOA, you are looking at uh, about uh, at least a seven point win for the Packers. Uh, Packers putting up somewhere in the low to mid thirties and Vikings struggling to get over 32 points, um, even at, at the high end. So um, I, I think when you look at where the line is set, that the Packers are three to three and a half point favorites, depending on which book you look at. Um, yes, it's a home game. Yes, it's going to be at Lambeau. Tough environment to play in uh, in December. Or I guess it'll be uh, January 1st, really. At it'll that be point. January 1st. Still, it's about the same weather you had the day before. Um, this is uh, a, a very tough environment for the Vikings to be walking into. It is. And, you know, the you add to the equation that the Vikings are a dome team playing outdoors. No, it's not going to be, you know, 12 degrees outside with a negative wind chill. But it's still certainly not what the Vikings are used to. And look, 
you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the Vikings and that they are not as good as their record indicates. Uh, you know, here they are at 12 and three, and they've only scored five more points all year than they've given up. And uh, Pro Football Reference, you know, has the expected win-loss record based on all the numbers. Minnesota's actual record, 12 and three. Their expected record, 7.6 wins, 7.4 losses. So eight and six or seven and seven, depending on, you know, where you want to, or eight and seven, right, through 15 games if you're rounding and pretty close to, you know, a 500 team. This team just seems to have pulled out a heck of a lot of close games. In fact, if you look at the entire season, the only game the Vikings have won by more than one score, week one, against the Packers. Wow, that's a great stat. I, I didn't wasn't even aware of that one. Uh, here's one for you, though. The uh, Vikings have been underdogs four times this year by Vegas. They are one and three in those games. The only game that they won was that crazy game against the Bills. They were six and a half point underdogs. They ended up winning by three points. That was a wild game. Yeah. Um, and uh, they are uh, against the spread six, eight and one. Now, the Packers are seven and eight against the spread this year. They have been underdog six times. They are three and three. So um, Packers doing a little bit better when they are underdogs. They are favored in this game, three and a half points. I don't really like the way the Vikings have been playing this season uh, when they are underdogs. No, they have not been particularly good. And I think that, you know, look. This is a game the Packers must win, and I think it's a game that they should and could win, but they have got to play, you know, really good football against a team that, no, they may not be as good as their record indicates, but they're certainly not the Chicago Bears or the L.A. Rams right now. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, by the way, looking at um, the Packers over the course of the season when they have been favored – and still lost. There are uh, five, six games this year where they have been favored and lost. Uh, so three of those came in a row against the Giants, Jets, and Commanders. The mm-hmm. they were nine and a half, seven and a half, and four point favorites in those games. Then they were favored by four points against the Lions. They lost by six, and then they were three and a half point favorites over Tennessee. They lost by 10. So is worth noting, although they have won a lot of games when they were favored, there are uh, too many games this season when the Packers were favored, Uh, even outside of that uh, five game losing streak. um, Although, although four of those uh, all came in within that same time period and really only the, um, the uh, Tennessee game, right. yes, yep, falls outside of that window. I, the Packers still, despite the fact that they have been playing better football, I still have some major trust issues with them. <laughs> Love them to I death, have... but, but man, uh, do I, do I trust them? Not in your life. No, uh, and the one thing that we have noticed, they are still not playing consistent football. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is not consistent. The defense is not consistent. There are so many aspects of this team 
that are kind of hit and miss, but the arrow is pointing in the right direction. So I'll take that part of it at least. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, if you um, had to go with just your gut, uh, who do you think has played better this season between Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins? And, you know, you might answer that question using different stats than I will. Um, but uh, just how do you think they generally stack up? Well, numerically right now, uh, they're about equal in quarterback rating. Uh, I mean, Cousins is slightly ahead. I think it's 93 and change to 91.3. So, you know, and and the other thing is, I would say, Cousins has more weapons over the course of the season than Rodgers has uh, and less injury issues along his uh, offensive line as well. So if the numbers are fairly close to equal, the way I'm looking at it, what do you, what do you have? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, one area where you would point to Rogers having an edge is when you compare big time throw percentage to turnover worthy play percentage, um, which is something I look like to look at because uh, it, it still dings the quarterback for things like dropped interceptions. So I, I really like, really like that stat. Sure. Um, Rogers has 5.17% uh, uh, big-time throws, and uh, Kirk Cousins is at 3.95% big-time throws. So Rogers is considerably higher there. A little bit closer when it comes to turnover-worthy plays, but Rogers still beats Cousins out just slightly. 2.67% of the time, Rogers is throwing turnover-worthy plays. A little bit higher for Cousins at 307 um, but one area where Rodgers is, uh, I would say, gets dinged a little bit, his passer rating when he's under pressure plummets from uh, 98.3 when he's kept clean. All right, so, so, you know, so you mentioned, I think it was a 93 for Cousins overall, 91 for Rodgers overall. If you separate it out when they're, they're kept clean versus under pressure, Rodgers 98.3 when kept clean, 65.2. When he's under pressure, Kirk Cousins doesn't drop off nearly that much. He's a 98 flat uh, when he's kept clean and just only drops down to an 83.1 when he's under pressure. So getting pressure on Kirk Cousins is not as big of a deal if you're not getting home, whereas uh, getting some pressure that Rodgers will feel drastically impacts his level of play. And I will say that is absolutely borne out on the tape when you watch him play. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and obviously that makes the pass rush all that more, much more important for the Packers. The good news is I think we're see, we've seen improvement. You know, initially when Rashawn Gary went down, this team struggled to get anywhere near the quarterback. Now we're seeing better play from uh, Kingsley and, and Agbare for sure. I think Justin Hollins has been a good addition, a, a one and a half sacks mm-hmm. in just four games. Preston Smith seems to have picked his game up. Kenny Clark, it, once you get in the last four, five, six games of the season, he always seems to shine. He's played a little bit better. And Jerron Reed had a big game last week. Quay Walker is actually blitzing a little more often and, and getting pressure on the quarterback occasionally. So, I, I think that and Kenny Clark, we got to give him credit too because I've been dogging him all year for playing what I think is pretty bad football. He had a really good game against the uh, Dolphins. Yes, he did, and and you know I mentioned he come December he always seems to play his best football. Now we're into December, January, and I hope he can keep it up. 
Gil, let's turn our attention to some matchups. Uh, we'll check back in now on where the Vikings are struggling compared to the beginning of the season. I guess we're not really going to revisit where they were at the beginning of the season, but just look at look at where they are right now. Give you a refresher for uh, fans who have not been watching the Vikings very intently. On defense, which I think has overall, overall been uh, a little underwhelming, the star players who are still getting the job done, Patrick Peterson is really having a bounce back year. I think mm-hmm. that is a big, big deal for the Vikings. Then opposite him, Duke Shelley has really finally figured things out. Long time, well, not super long time, three-year uh, player for the Chicago Bears who just always kind of sucked for them. He's figured things out. Um, he has really been solid in coverage. Um, and, and then uh, elsewhere in the secondary, the uh, safety Harrison Smith down year for him for sure. Um, but he looks a little bit better in comparison to the rest of the safeties. Yeah. Uh, the, the, basically the, the secondary has been problematic, even with um, a good performance from Patrick Peterson and Duke Shelley. Uh, overall, what what have your impressions of their passing defense been? Well, statistically, right now, in yards allowed per game, they are dead last in the NFL. Opponents are averaging 281.5 yards per game against the Vikings. So the, here's the thing. We know that the Minnesota Vikings have some talented pass rushers. Daniil Hunter, uh, the, our old friend Zadarius Smith, That's 10 and a half and 10 sacks, respectively. If Aaron Rodgers is protected, and you talked about how important, you know, how much his rating slips when he's under pressure, if the Packers are able to keep Hunter and Smith away from Aaron Rodgers, he should be able to exploit this Minnesota secondary, whether it's throwing deep passes to Christian Watson, if he's healthy, or Romeo Dobbs, or Alan Lazard, or if it's even short stuff to the running backs and to maybe Robert Tunyon, uh, they should be able to pass the ball if they have time, and that, to me, is going to be one of the biggest keys of this game on Sunday. Well, this is one of the things we said at the beginning of the year, too, for the week one matchup, is that we didn't like their secondary at the time back then, and we said it's all going to come down to what kind of a game do uh, Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter have? They have been, as you mentioned, prolific for the entire season. Zadarius, as much as it irritates me, he's having the second best season of his career. Of course, that first year with the Packers in 2019 was his banner year. He finished the season with an 89.7 overall grade. Uh, He was the third highest graded edge rusher of the entire season. And then the next two years, he kind of laid goose eggs for us. Uh, A lot of people were still really happy with him in 2020. I was ready to move on from him after the 2020 season. Um, He hardly played in 2021, but it was bad when he was out there. 2022, he has finally bounced back. So far, he's an 84.8. That makes him the 12th highest edge rusher in the league. Um, And then uh, if possible... Daniil Hunter been having an even better year. This is also yeah. his second best year of his career. And funny enough, his best year was also 2019, same as Zedarius's. So these two guys uh, really uh, just doing yeoman's work out there. The one area I would say they struggle a little bit is in run defense. They don't quite set the edge as well as you'd like. Uh, 
some weaknesses that can be exploited there. But just as pure pass rushers, these guys are pinning their ears back and getting there quickly. And then on the interior, um, uh, when you have uh, Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson out there as well, those two guys are absolutely getting it done. This defensive line just doesn't really have any vulnerabilities. You might say uh, sometimes when they're out there and they are rotating rotating in our old buddy DJ Wonham, who we've been making fun of for three years, he's still kind of the same old guy. He always has been. Um, that's just about it. The, the rest of their uh, defensive line, really uh, not any holes to poke in. Um, largely because I don't want to try and pronounce their rookie's name. I don't <laughs> I don't know how you say this. Do you do you want to try and say this? Asazi Otomewo? <laughs> That's you did it, it, at least as well as I would have done. So yeah. <laughs> so if we don't try and pronounce his name, they don't have any weaknesses. Um but, but we could just say the rook and say the rook has been um yeah maybe somebody you can pick on it from time to time. Um linebackers finally have kind of fallen off a cliff for the Vikings. Um Kendrickson really not or uh, Kendrick's really not playing um, very good football and and Jordan Hicks uh, we thought might come in and make some noise he's been basically exactly average this season right overall it really just is still that defensive line and nothing else on this this defense and that's kind of what we said it was at the beginning of the season problem was the Packers didn't have any kind of a rhythm at all offensively and that defensive line was able to disrupt Aaron enough that he was not able to distribute the ball to the receivers. He didn't have any chemistry with. So um, I, I think we certainly expect the Packers offense to do a much better job out there this week. Uh, but again, keep your eye on the status of Christian Watson and whether he's able to go because we have never really seen an acceptable offensive performance from the 2022 Packers without Christian Watson being out there. Yeah, he does really open things up underneath for this uh, team and, and makes, look, defensive coordinators have to account for him anytime he's on the field, whether it's on the jet sweep, the end around, the short pass, the long pass. He creates opportunities both for himself and for his teammates. And I think he also gives Aaron Rodgers more confidence in getting certain plays uh, you know, completed and accomplished and, and making them work. So that is going to be absolutely huge. And uh, having him available and effective will certainly be a big help for the Packers. Let's touch on the Vikings offense for a second, because um, if the Vikings defense is overall mediocre with a really good defensive line, the Vikings offense is a bunch of just garbage with just a couple really elite players. Obviously, don't need to spend much time talking about just Justin Jefferson. Um, and we are really hoping that this Packers secondary can figure him out now because uh, if they go out there and lay a goose egg against this guy for the third game in a row, I'm going to be frustrated. Uh, you have a lot of tape to watch from this guy. Um, you played against him. My... Uh, biggest takeaway from the last couple of performances they've had against Jefferson is that they were just absolutely annihilated by a failure to communicate with each other. And, and they like to play a lot of zone and I don't have any problem with that, but if you want to play zone, you have to communicate and you have to know 
what your teammates are doing. And so if your name is Adrian Amos and um, uh, Jair is passing uh, a guy off to you in zone coverage, you need to know that you are being passed off to. And and they don't do that. Um, and that has been the problem. Last two times they played Justin Jefferson, that was their problem against the Dolphins a lot of the day as well. I don't really like this Packers secondary. Um, despite the fact that they are the second best passing defense in the league. I think that has a lot more to do with the fact that teams are running on them so much and passing against them so little rather than how good they're doing when they are passing. Now, certainly at times they are doing what it takes, but skilled receivers are able to get open against them. And pretty much every time it happens, it's not so much guys just getting beat as it is just miscommunications, misunderstanding of what your teammates are doing. It just looks disorganized. And Jefferson is absolutely a good enough player. He will pick you apart if you are not on your A game and 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 really uh, just in each other's heads um, in terms of uh, your, your uh, other teammates in the secondary there. No question about it. And I think what you have to look at, Last week, in the first half, the Packers' secondary was dreadful at picking those people up and passing them off. And we saw big plays from both receivers, and we talked about this on last week's show. Uh, Tariq Hill, Jalen Waddell, both dangerous. They both had huge offensive plays, splash plays, when the secondary wasn't doing what they needed to do. But in the second half, they improved. They held Miami to less than 100 yards total offense for the half and no more big plays from those two very dangerous receivers. If we see the defense we saw in the secondary in the first half last week, this game could be over by halftime. But if we see the second half defense, then the Packers have a really good chance of winning. And one other thing, while we're talking about the Minnesota receiving core, don't underestimate Adam Thielen. He always seems to have nice games against the Packers as well. Yeah. Um, if uh, Justin Jefferson is the best player on offense for the Vikings, the the two be- the second best players, number two and three, um, if I can get my words out, uh, would have to be both of their tackles. Uh, left tackle Christian Derrissaw, right tackle Brian O'Neill. These guys have um, just been outstanding all year. Brian O'Neill on the season. Let me switch my thing here. Finally got it. Here we go. Uh, he has allowed uh, 24 total pressures, six sacks on the season. Uh, uh, I think I said Christian Derrissaw. That's that's uh, Brian O'Neill. Right. Um, you, said, you said Brian O'Neill. Okay, good. And then uh, Christian Derrissaw, he's only allowed 15 pressures and four sacks. These guys have been really good. I would like to note that uh, uh, David Bakhtiari has allowed zero sacks on the season. Um, he's He's been better. Just want to just brag on my boy Bakhtiari yeah. for a minute. Yep. Uh, he's got zero sacks on the season and just eight total pressures. So he's been better than both of these guys. Now, he has played in only nine games. And these guys have played uh, not quite double that, um, but still, uh, he's even uh, just on a per game basis, he is doing way better than them uh, in terms of sacks. We got zero on the season. You're going up against four and six, respectively. Eh, just saying, I like my guy a little bit better. Um, yeah. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got a bone to pick. I, I am definitely acknowledging how good. 
Garrison and O'Neal can be. But you're ignoring when you say who the second and third best players on this offense. You're saying they're better than Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook is crap. Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's no way you're being serious. Dalvin Cook has had three good games the entire season. Uh, one of them came against Green Bay in week one. Um, and then he had another good day against Chicago in week five and Indianapolis uh, two weeks ago. Aside from that, he has been awful. Um, so, no, I, I don't have any respect for right, I don't have any respect for uh, the 2022 version of, of Dalvin Cook. Okay, fair enough. I mean, he, he has eight touchdowns, if that excites you. Eight touchdowns, well, three fumbles. Eight touchdowns, four and a half yards per carry, and 1,109 yards. Those are not bad numbers for the season. And I mean, they're, they're okay for Dalvin Cook. He's always been just a volume guy. He's never been an efficiency guy. He's just a volume guy. I no, I, I I'm not scared of Dalvin Cook. The here here's what would scare me in this game: the Packers' uh, uh, rushing defense. But Dalvin right. Cook on his own, no, he's not a good running back. Well, yeah, but the Packers' rushing defense is well. We know what the Packers' rushing defense is. I'm just saying you can't single out Dalvin Cook and tell me to be afraid of him. Well, you know, you just just do that with every running back we ever go up against. You know, well, we hard. almost do, don't we? <laughs> so. <laughs> but, I'm I'm just not going to give him kudos here. Uh, okay, he's, he's not a good player. Um, I'll I'll lump him in with um uh, Adam Thielen. He's been about as good as Adam Thielen this season. Occasionally he flashes. Usually he's disappointing. Vikings fans are frustrated with both guys. Um, who they really should be frustrated with are two of their interior offensive linemen. Yep. Um. So. Rookie Ed Ingram has been horrific this year. He's got a 42 pass blocking grade. He's just been absolutely awful. And he's not even the worst offensive lineman they have. Austin Schlotman has a 48 overall grade, a 45 pass blocking grade. Um, And he's not even a rookie. He didn't have that excuse. This is his fourth year in the league. He's been putrid. And the fact that Ezra Cleveland is finally playing some decent football next to them at left guard is pretty much negated by the fact that these two guys are just a, a wide open door. And so if Jaron Reed and Kenny Clark want to have anywhere close to the uh, level of performance they had against the Dolphins, I'm just saying the opportunity is right there. Go ahead and feast. Kirk Cousins having a decent season. Uh, Vikings fans are a little frustrated with him. They are saying that it's a down season for him. I don't know. Uh, Grade-wise, his grades are down a little bit, but I think he has looked good while he's out there. I think he is a major uh, reason why their offense is working. Obviously, it doesn't hurt that he gets to throw to Justin Jefferson. Um, but, you know, the other guy that they have who's a new addition since last time we played them is TJ Hawkinson. Of course, mm-hmm. we're well acquainted with TJ Hawkinson from his time with the Lions. Um, he has not been super efficient, but he has been productive. Um, he gets a lot of touchdowns. He's had uh, several games this year where he was able to just put up absolutely monster stats. And I think that this is a guy who, if you are taking away the uh, other receiving options on this team and you forget about TJ or you don't have the linebackers to cover him, and I question a bit whether we do in a down year for Devondre Campbell compared to last year, and a a rookie who is playing very well, but is still just a rookie in Quay Walker. 
TJ is one of the better tight ends in the league. You have to watch out for him. You do. And uh, look, he's also done some damage against the Packers in the past. So Packer fans certainly familiar with what TJ Hawkinson can do against them and hopefully won't do on Sunday. Yeah, and the, and the uh, scary thing is that uh, this is uh, with his with the Vikings. This past week was his best game uh, since going to Minnesota. It's his second best game of the year because he had a game against Seattle early in the year where he had uh, two touchdowns, 179 yards, 90.6 overall grade. This past week, uh, two touchdowns, 109 yards, 84.7 overall grade. I don't like facing him. Uh, a week after he had a phenomenal performance, but exactly. it makes you feel a little bit better. So week four against Seattle was his best game of the season. I mentioned, well, week five against New England, 47.7 overall grade, zero touchdowns. He had one reception on four targets for just six yards. So, you know what? Sample size of one, uh, but he, he did come crashing down to earth after his one really good game. Hopefully we can do the same thing. Uh, against him here in week 17. Fingers crossed because he has hurt us in the past. Yes, he has. All right, uh, time for our score predictions. Gil, who are you picking to win this game? What's your what's your score prediction? Uh, let me let me just remind everybody. Uh, the over and under is at 49 and a half points. Um, Packers are three and a half point favorites, so that would mean the expected outcome of the game is roughly 26 to 23 for the Packers to win it. What's yep. your score prediction? Packers 31, Vikings 28. All right. Um, I I uh, have 34 to 26, so that is very similar. Um, I think we're both taking the over, and you have the Vikings covering. I have the Packers covering. So there's our difference. Um, and – Worth mentioning, so I am currently four points ahead after last week because uh, although we both picked the over and both lost um, on that, uh, I had the Packers, let me see here, you had the Dolphins covering, I had the Packers covering, so um, so I'm four points ahead, so you need to be perfect throughout the rest of the regular season if you're going to catch up to me before the playoffs get here. Yep. That is true. Alrighty. Uh, I think that's going to be it for us today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at askgilhuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not